I'm about to tell you is top secret. There's a powerful group of people out there that are secretly running the world. I'm talking about the guys no one knows about, the guys that are invisible. The top 1% of the top 1%, the guys that play God without permission. And now I think they're following me. This is The Script, the official podcast of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. I'm David Negrin, and with me tonight to analyze the new cyberpunk USA series, Mr. Robot, Jordan Rosengarten and Christopher Theokis. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. I'm so glad to have both of you guys on. You're both uh, nerds from different disciplines, as am I. And Mr. Robot is getting a lot of talk on the internet. It's getting a lot of acclaim. Um, I want to talk about, from a screenwriter's perspective, what works and what doesn't work. But I'm excited about this show. Creator's name is Sam Esmail. He's like a newcomer. This guy, this guy sold his show, said, so, sold his pilot, said, I want to be a creator on it. Forced their hand. After the pilot gets uh, a bunch of views online and the second episode aired, um, what was it, last night, guys? Or uh, I think it was last night. Yeah, um, he, he got an automatic second season deal over at USA. He's an overnight success. He has, like, no background in, um, in Hollywood before this. Now, David, for people who don't know, like, how common is that? The last guy who I was this jealous of was the gentleman who did the OC. What's his name? He's not completely off the map. He did, according to the Internet Movie Database, which mm-hmm. I know I live by, <laughs> uh, he did a movie called Comet. He wrote a movie called Comet with Emmy Rossum and Justin Long. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a producer on... Well, never mind, that was a short. But he, he was also... He worked for HBO. And he's done a couple of things. And it sounds like this is probably an IMDb page just missing a lot of stuff. Okay, you think he had some stuff. I haven't read... There was a couple of articles about him yet. But, but I haven't been this jealous about a, from a, a guy since Josh Schwartz of the OC and the Gossip Girl fame. Right. Like, this <laughs> guy has the job I want. Because I love cyberpunk... I'm a cyberpunk geek. I know you are too, Chris, right? I, I do enjoy the genre. And uh, and and Jordan, how do you feel about it? Well, I, I'm a little uh, no. I'm not. I'm no. not. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan. You do but- not subscribe to the cyberpunk suppository. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but for for the folks who are listening who, who don't know like what cyberpunk as a genre, like what is that? Okay, I knew you were gonna ask me that, so I tried. I put together a little. Um, short essay on the definition of cyber you did homework david i i did oh, i nice. watched it i'm the host <laughs> he's like i watched the show <laughs> i usually podcast without even watching it so he wants he wants a uh, a plus a cookie um so cyberpunk is a genre of science fiction a subgenre subgenre set usually set in a lawless subculture of an oppressive society dominated by computer technology okay um Cyberpunk plots often center on a conflict among artificial intelligences and megacorporations and tend to be set in a future Earth rather than far future settings like uh, intergalactic stuff like Asimov's Foundation or Frank Herbert's Dune. Uh, Some of the well-known 
cyberpunk authors are William Gibson and Neil Stevenson. Some of the well-known cyberpunk movies are Blade Runner and The Matrix. Classic cyberpunk characters are marginalized, alienated loners who lived on the edge of society in generally dystopic futures where daily life is impacted by rapid technological change and a ubiquitous data sphere of computerized information and invasive modification of the human body. That's uh, Lawrence Person. Uh, he's a cyberpunk writer. So basically it's like a marginalized group of rebels against an oppressive force using tech to even the playing field. Got it, got it. Okay, so, well, that, that makes a lot more sense. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess that explains a lot of the problems that I had with this and that... Uh, oh, that, that, that there is convention and, and literary tradition that you were that you did not you're ignorant of yeah man so you, thus you didn't get it <laughs> L- literary convention yeah whatever I, I i i would say that you know whatever there, there were too many things in here where i just rolled my eyes and and uh, all right i'll get into it after no i'm glad you're here jordan yeah. because we need someone to represent the general audience this is on usa this is meant for wide distribution yeah. it's not just for cyberpunk geeks and i'll be fair i'm not here to shit on it really i i because when when I finished the pilot, I felt one way, which was very negatively, and I was very angry. And then when I finished the second episode, um, it started to turn me a little bit, and uh, and I f- felt a little differently. I started to like it a little bit more, and I started to get into it. Um, so we can talk about that as well. But That's uh, great. but yeah, we'll get th- we'll get there. Well, you see, the, see, I watched I watched it on the USA browser on Apple TV, so I'm okay. clearly in a cyberpunk world already. <laughs> uh, I'm actually predisposed to something like this. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm I, I came through the first episode kind of liking it. Actually, the second episode wasn't as strong for me. Uh, but I felt like actually watching the first episode that maybe another, I don't know, 60 minutes, they could have finished the story. But that's something, again, we can talk about when we get into it. Like it could have been a feature film? Yeah, it, it, it struck me as... Um, <clears throat> A couple of years ago, there was the show The River, I think it was called, and the guy that did mm-hmm. Paranormal Activity, it was his show. And that always, okay. I watched an episode or two of that, and it struck me as, this thing was supposed to be a movie, and somebody said, well, what do you have? We have a TV show. We, we want you to do a TV show. And he repurposed it. And that's, um, that's kind of the feeling I got from the first episode I of Mr. Robot. I actually did do more homework, and you're actually on the nose. Sam Esmail wrote this as a feature. Okay. And uh, when he was shopping oh, wow. it around, USA said, can you make it into a series? What tipped you off to that in the script, in the writing? What tipped you off to that? The, uh, the I guess the first meeting with Christian Bale felt kind of like, which happens about halfway through the episode, if I'm not mistaken. Is that a, a Christian no, Slater? The pilot. Uh, yeah, uh, Christian Slater. Christian, Slater. Yeah. Christian Bale would be an amazing catch. For yeah, this well, I said, I, was <laughs> I sleeping during that part? I was. I was not, not that Christian Slater's bad, but uh, no, it's uh, it Christian felt like Slater an, plays Mr. Robot, right? Mentor. Yeah. And Elliot, when Elliot meets him, it felt kind of like an inciting incident. And when I say mm-hmm. when he meets him, when he first sees him on the train, yeah, uh, thinking he's hallucinating about the Men in Black, uh, but then when he finally does talk to him, it felt like a call to action. That I'd so see in a feature. It felt like it was following a feature length, and 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 essentially the and we'll get to this. Well, I don't want to jump ahead, but the the act out for the pilot is a great midpoint. Yeah, and we pick up in episode two, right where we left off. So it's almost as if 
episode one and episode two were his feature, and we'll have to see where he goes down the line. Right. Well, even like the beginning of episode one, the first half, a fair amount of that felt like, you know, not unnecessary, but padding. Uh, if you're going to be a you know a, a TV show, if you're going to have more than you know 120 minutes to tell your story, you probably need a lot of that information. An episode. Another. Now that you got me thinking about it, this uh, this series has a very small core cast, a yeah. lot more like a feature film. Right. Right. Um, we're we're with the protagonist most of the time. Yeah. Um, he's got he's, the the love interest. Going, he's got a love interest, but he's going through sort of chapters, escalating sequences. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, usually I'll go to you guys for general thoughts first, but one of the things that I, my, my biggest takeaway from this pilot was there's so much good screenwriting here. The scenes end different from the way you expect. There's a lot of subtle setups with great payoffs, right? Um, you know, the internal monologue is great. He, he's able to show social anxiety cinematically through the writer's choices, also through the performance, because this guy, this actor's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the guy who plays Elliot. Yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, Rami Malek. He's killing it. Yeah. He's a new star. Um, he's, he's, he's amazing. He's a great actor. Um, and then we see that the choices only we see, right? We see that he's a crusader, that he turned in a child pornographer with... Uh, without for you know because it was the right thing to do but then he empathized with him you know being different he's like i understand what it's like to be different and then he tries to help his therapist by hacking the the guy she dates he and and we see him try to go to the party but then his social anxiety prevents him this is great screenwriting writing internal conflict is very hard to do and it's stuff that you would see in a feature and that they don't usually take the time to 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 dote on this character stuff in a TV series, and I think that's why it's so darn successful. Yeah, it also makes me wonder where they go from here because, like, like Chris was saying, it feels like you could have just rewritten those two first episodes and made them into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's well, like in yeah. the first episode or the second episode. I'm sorry, the the drug supplier felt like a like it was tacked on that guy. Um, yeah, I forget the character's name. And that, yeah, that like, felt the like widening the universe. Right, and it felt like an obligatory, we have to make this bigger since I have 10 or 13, I think it's 10 episodes to fill, or 13 yeah. episodes to fill, it's, or whatever it is. Yeah. And, it, and initially I read today, bearing in mind I just read the headline, uh, that apparently they already have a second season, and it was supposed to be a miniseries. Oh, so this was supposed to be a limited series? Right, and it's be, like... Yeah. Because once the F Society takes down Evil Corps, uh, what's left? And he even I think he even addresses that to a certain degree in one of the episodes where it's like, you so know. So you just kicked off. I mean, we're gonna, later on, um, I want to talk about our original pilot checklist. But we're nailing right. this, this, episode, this pilot nails so many things. Like it sets up a season objective. We know exactly what the season objective is. It opens with that great scene. With where he outs the child pornographer, which is a strong thematic opening that's on the original pilot checklist. Uh, so, we're this thing is killing it from a screenwriting perspective so far. Jordan, yes. general thoughts on the pilot? Uh, I was definitely interested. You know, that first scene where he's sitting with the child pornographer, and we were learning about 
him as a character through his uh, inner monologue and how he's speaking, that to me was fine and it was interesting and I got sucked in a little bit. And then it got really annoying and predictable. Um, and I think it is partially due to the fact that it is in a genre where this is like just going through the motions. Like you need to have that evil corporation and it's so evil and that bothered you that it was an evil corporation. It was that called evil corporate. It, it was so on the nose. It, it, that bothered me to no end. Um, and it also bothered me that it was like white old men that were these bad guys in the corporation. The typical yeah. like 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 no, nah, you know. So so jo- jo- Chris Jordan's making a really good point that someone who doesn't know the genre is going to say this is so on the nose. Right. Where does Chris, in your opinion, where does Lazy meet stylized. Is this stylized genre convention stuff, or is this just lazy? Right away. Well, my first thought would be lazy, but we talked about like uh, the way he puts a twist on certain things. So, like his voiceover when he's talking to us, he's literally talking to somebody that he says he's made up in his mind that we aren't like even that. a real audience. I like. That. And so when it says maybe I blinked and missed it or whatever my ears did. Evil Corp is like very on the nose, right? It's like E. It, first off, it's it, the Enron E, because it's the is old. It? It's the oh, old it Enron is. E. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 it's on the. It's on its side, right? Sure, and so then, sure. of course, every time you see it in the news, it's Evil Corporation or whatever. And I'm wondering if he's not sure if he's talking to not real people. Is he schizophrenic? And how much can we trust that that E actually means evil? Is like, he an unreliable narrator? And how he unreliable? Said, he said it to us. Are these delusions? Are they real or are they not? And then, of course, the first the, the pilot episodes ends with him basically hoping that we see what he's seeing. That's right. Uh, the pilot episode, the act out where he ends up in the the conference room. With the there's uh, a shot of the people in the conference room, and then there's a shot of him. It seems like he might be alone. Right. But and so he's like, I hope you're seeing what I'm seeing. So the question is, you know, I think the if you if you take the headline that it's going to get a second season, that okay, this is really happening. That would be my because how long can you spin out somebody's mental illness? I guess maybe a long time. But um, Lost did it for seven seasons, <laughs> basically. Um, but but yeah, so that that makes me wonder, like, if things right now that seem kind of conventional or cliche or whatever right. are going to get twisted in the end because of his perception of the world around him is it going to be is evil corp going to turn out to be like i don't know energy corp or something else that, right. that that's not why, evil yeah, why they, are they everyone's evil, everyone everyone's calling them evil corp. yeah yeah it's not just him they're it's other. using it but so is that his perception okay so you also said that he's in and this is true he's in pretty much every scene yeah. which means if everybody's calling it evil corp and he's in the scene it's probably from his perspective and so it's like when he sees it up on the billboard or up on the, the, the TV screen in Times Square, he hears his love intro, the girl he loves say it or whatever. Right. How much of this is actually real? And this is where we need to get into another genre convention of cyberpunk that doesn't appear to be showing itself, which is the, the meshing of man and machine. In, and, and this is where I need to go into my spiel about the Matrix parallels for Mr. Robot. Yeah, because okay. those were the, there's several parallels directly to the Matrix in this, and yeah. in the and, and 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 the meshing of man and machine and the perception of reality are a theme of cyberpunk, 
and he's, uh, uh, Elliot is taking drugs regularly. He's seeing a shrink. He may be having delusions. His shrink told, gave him medication for his delusions. Um, the Matrix is all about the world being one big delusion, right? right? So maybe this is happening slowly, and it's going to be a season reveal that it's all in his head, or part of it's in his head, or who knows? I hope not. But that, I guess that would go along with, with this, this genre that I don't like. Um, I will say that there was that scene that... You're being such a spoil sport. I, I know I am, but... but You did not like The Matrix. I, the first I, I Matrix. liked The Matrix because it was different. There, it wasn't... It was cyberpunk. It, it might have been classified as cyberpunk, but it's a freaking action movie. It has it has a villain. Yes. It has a cl- right, you're right. We're not getting any kung fu in, in Mr. Robot. <laughs> well, no, but, yeah, but, but I there, I, I there's a clear villain in The Matrix. There's a clear objective, and... It's not about the, the hacking in and all that stuff. That's just a vehicle to get us to the point, to the plot. And here it's like, all right, why is Evil Corp evil? Why, why, you know, why exactly does he want to, you know, we're, we're slowly figuring that out. Why does Christian so, Slater so want to so, do all these things? So in, in, in a piece of dialogue that's, that was almost completely lifted directly from the Matrix, yeah. Mr. Robot tells Elliot, you're here because you sense something wrong with the yeah, world. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's like... You can't yeah. explain, that, but you know it controls you and everyone you care about. I, what? And I'm like, it's the Matrix. That got me... And he goes, <laughs> and he goes, money. Yeah. <laughs> that, that. And the stakes have lowered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is now, it's no longer, you know, the end of the world. Uh, it's just, you know, the the... the corporations and money and then he uh, you see i think that's a little i think like if you're in the world you don't have to worry about it anymore and what they're talking about doing is it's a it's a company that controls something like 70 percent of the credit market yes and if you take that out if you just completely erase it you know mr robot's like hey no big deal everybody's mortgage will be erased no more student loans no more credit card debt etc the and biggest I'm wealth thinking, redistribution in it'll history. be a redistribution of wealth and i'm thinking to myself that would collapse the planet. It would. Right. This is like the prequel to Mad Max. Is right. what's yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the that's the thing. I I wrote down anarchy next to it. Like you can't right. just erase the debt, and all of a sudden, uh, the the working class and the middle class right. um, are, have new money because the the global financial system would shut down. Yeah, but that's fine because maybe Elliot's too naive. To know that that's what Mr. Robot wants is that he wants to turn the world into Mad Max. Well, I mean, if you could you could say based on especially the second episode that there's are there are already going to be conflicts between Elliot and Mr. Robot. Yeah, and this yeah, could yeah. be one of those things where you know this season they join together and fight Evil Corp, and Elliot starts taking his medication and finds out that it's really something else, Corp. Uh, and then right. the next season he fights Mr. Robot, or like, a couple seasons yeah, from now. Sure, sure. You know, um, before before we get past the Matrix comparisons, I just wanted to jot down a couple of things that I saw. Mr. Robot, one of the first things he says to him is, you're in a prison, I'm going to break you out. Right. And then eventually he takes him to sort of that hacker paradise in Coney Island, the same way Morpheus took... Um, Neo. Neo. Mr. Anderson. Nebuchadnezzar, right? Yeah. yeah. And then to Zion, but... And then design. Well, now, yeah, yeah. Talking about the first movie. the first movie. Talking about the one good one. <laughs> I mean, look, in Mr. Robert, there's a group of guys running the world, and they're after him. They're following him. 
Um, he's got this sense, uh, this sense of misanthropy. He's a misanthrope. He's like, his father died of leukemia. Uh, he thinks he got it at the place he worked. Right. And he's like, but don't worry, the company's fine. Right? Yeah. You get that sense, right? That he wants to, he wants some payback. Um, and then, you know, he has a little monologue where he's like, uh, you know, I understand people. I read people really well. You know how? I look for the worst in them because we want to be sedated. It's too painful to acknowledge the world around us. So this guy's just really misanthropic. He wants to change the world. He doesn't want to change the world. He wants revenge on the world. And this is the kind of characteristic. I'm sorry if I get too intellectual here, Jordan, but this is the kind of characteristic <laughs> that they find in modern day whistleblowers like Edward Snowden yeah. and Julian Assange. No one would throw their life into a spin without a huge chip on their shoulder the way those two guys have done. And that's where I, that's what I love about this show. It is based really present in our real world where there are guys who have done that. I would agree with right? you, but I would say that if the writers had any balls um or the writer or the creator why not make you know if you want to be really relevant why not make the corporation a media company like sony or something and he's hacking in and you know what i'm saying like i just felt like it was i've why, what's wrong with the company they have we don't they're they're just a bank i get that in in, in i get that banks have been doing really <clears throat> shitty things lately so you want to you want to put that but i've seen that i've seen that in movies that, that, that that's an easy target and I'm like, if you want to put uh, a new spin on an old idea, you do something that's very current. You know, something like a why not do a media company like not Sony, but something close to that? Is there a lot more opportunity? Doesn't doesn't media have a lot more influence than than banks or just as much influence? I like where you're going with this. Yeah. Okay, I, I think that's a great idea. It would be interesting if the cyberpunk, instead of taking down the traditional bank yeah. or corporation, was taking on an entertainment company that got too big. Right. Well, again, I, like I was saying a second ago, the, the idea behind E-Corp, I think it's not just that it's a bank, because at the beginning or of the pilot or relatively towards the beginning, they're showing that they're involved in agriculture, that they're involved in healthcare, there are real estate signs all over the city. You know, the, the, the building next to Elliot's is being rented out by Evil Corp. Right. They're and basically so Dr. Like, Evil's, like, company. <laughs> Dot Evil Core, and obviously all the computers are Evil Core, uh, Evil Core computers, right, right, and they right. just blew it up to encompass every part of your life. Right, and I, yeah. I you know, but yeah, it wouldn't be surprised if a little bit down the line, from you know maybe two or three more episodes, we get the Evil Core owns CNN kind of episode. Right. Which that's I, fine. Yeah, would that would that. be great. Yeah. That would be great. I would love that. And and they but start they, but they, would, they start I, manufacturing I don't get the, the that they would focus on that. But but so this, this pilot is really set in the modern world. They talk about Facebook. They talk about yeah. Instagram. Right. They they uh, they mention all, they they name check a lot of stuff that we deal with on a regular basis. It's trying to be current and conspiracy theory at the same time. And I think it's doing a great job of that. The stakes are not as big yeah. as the Matrix. It's Matrix. It's not the robots are out to get us and destroy human civilization. It's set in the real world where a student debt crisis or mortgage debt crisis is the evil in the world. 
and and that's activist in a modern day activism on a show on on USA Network. You could arguably say that um, this may. I, I mean, I think cyberpunk is partly in this genre, but it's uh, it's like the day before the end of the world. Um, Mm-hmm. I mentioned Mad Max earlier. If you look at the the Mad Max films, the first Mad Max movie is the day before the end of the world. It's this this the dystopic future, and yeah. then Road Warrior is the day after. Yeah. And this is kind of like the, this isn't twenty minutes in the future like Max Headroom, uh, a big cyberpunk. What is a cyberpunk show from the eighties? This is two minutes in the future, three minutes in the future. And could, because, like you said, they mention all the things like Facebook I mean, and Twitter. I mean, I think you're right. I think it's 30 seconds in the yeah. future. It's present And, and plus. so the idea is, my impression is, if Elliot fails, and not not uh, Mr. Robot, but if mm-hmm. Elliot fails in playing everybody the way he needs to, and which is going to be tough for an antisocial guy, uh, then we have the end of the world, whatever that may be. But he's, like, right on the cusp of it. And he's in a position to maybe see it as well. But that's an impression I'm getting. That's not. I don't think that's really stated in the the episode or either episode. Right. Um, before we jump uh, forward, I want to ask Jordan: yep. Were you bored when they showed pictures of a guy typing on a keyboard, hacking, and uh, on a screen? Um, I would say well, here actually not so much because I didn't see a lot of it. I, I see. I see. Okay. I see more of it in in similar. Uh, you know, with similar genre, you know, films and television shows, which annoys the hell out of me. And it's like, yes, and which is why I bring it up because yeah. it, this is one of those things in a in a in a genre that is obsessed with computing yeah. and hacking. There's always you've got to handle the typing on a screen stuff, right? And sometimes it's terrible, and sometimes it's okay. Well, we were talking when we did our Chappie podcast. If you remember. Um, um, uh, Dave, I think it's Patel or something, as uh, an Indian actor who, who yeah, designs Chappie. Uh, and, and there's this whole scene where, this dramatic scene where he's typing and he's doing these typing things and you see the computer and we don't have any idea what the hell he's doing. And this dramatic music's playing and it's going on and on. But we get it? We don't. No, no, no. The point is is that it kind of loses, like, it, the excitement is not there because it's right. it's redundant. It's like, okay, you're typing yeah. on your computer and we don't know what you're typing. We don't know what it means. Here they, they handle it uh, really well where you don't – it's in perfect doses. I, to me, if there's, there's a positive thing yeah. to say that I think that that was handled pretty well. All right. well that that's, was uh, the, uh, the server farm scene. That was, I think, the middle yep. of the, the episode of the pilot. Yeah. Yep. And I, I agree. I haven't seen Chappie, but I think this one was served better because you had a visual idea with the, the schematics of the server farm. And it said they, they, they gave blinked, you a little uh, – they, they gave us – a little, actually, I'm, I'm going to steal Jordan before the podcast began. He said oh Star Trek: The Next Generation always did a good job of techno babble. Yes. Yeah, and at the same time, giving us a visual. Star Trek: The Next Generation always had like a really cool kind of like visual for us to look at yeah. while the techno babble was going, and they did that. That's what you're talking about, Chris. Right. right. So they said this is the infected server. We can't let it get to these others. What does this look like? And it's a blinking light and all that yeah. jazz. That was and, really good. And we have a layman on the side saying, how are we doing? Yeah. Are we there yet? And then when he when Elliot beats them, he's like, are we good? He's like, yeah, we're good. Yeah. And, you know, on Star Trek The Next Generation, the captain's always there to ask Geordi or Data, what's going on? Did we get it? Oh, 
you know. Um, yeah, because also, so, you know, on Star Trek The Next Generation with those things, like, they have to explain it to us because we, because they're making it up. They have, we have no idea what they're talking <laughs> about. Here they might be adding some, you know, uh, technical yeah. terms, and they have to explain it. Uh, but yeah, I, so yeah. believe it or not, I in a former life I was a computer systems administrator, and I was watching all of the screens on Mr. Robot, and everything they were doing was technically it was technically accurate, but it wasn't actually it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't um, spectacular. The things they were doing were very basic system administration things like checking a network, looking at files. Uh, when they when they do the DDoS attack, which is a distributed denial of service, you know they're just doing sort of network pings, which are like the very most basic step you would do when a network is down. So we, they didn't show us anything incredibly cool on the hacker side, but that's not important. What's important is that Jordan not be bored when they're doing it, and yes. that as Chris said, we see the drama in the server room. It's uh, yeah, it's very bad when I'm bored. It's just a bad thing. Yeah, well, we try to keep you entertained. I I know that. That's why our pants are off. Hands up. Hands, hands up. up. Okay. Hands okay. Up. Um, I want to talk pilot, original pilot checklist first, okay. and then we'll talk second episode and where we want the show to go. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Fair Screenwriters Co- Collective, original pilot checklist. We got eight steps. The first step is, in the pilot, the first step is strong thematic opening that introduces our lead character. How did they do on that one? I mean, that's something they could definitely check off there because our first scene um, shows our main character, uh, introduces him. We know, we we learn what his skill is. We learn why he's there, what he's doing to this to this gentleman, and how that's going to play throughout the season potentially. Um, so, well, well that, no, the guy he's killing, the, the the guy's a throwaway. No, he's a throwaway, but we're, we're learning. But that he's a throwaway for a reason. He's there to show us what Elliot can do, and what yep. El, and show us what Elliot's values are, and why you know right. things like that. You know, it's, right? It's, so you said like the shorthand yeah, would be: we find out that he's a white hat hacker. He has social anxiety problems, and he's really good at right. his job. And he he doesn't stand for this kind of bullshit. And, and what's amazing is that if you, if you told somebody to write that into a script, I've seen a hundred scripts try to do that. I've yeah. seen, I, I saw Michael Mann try to do it on Black Hat. Did you see Black Hat? No. Uh, no. Nobody else did. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a real, it, it had suffered from all these problems we're talking about in a hacker movie. Um, not in the least that Thor is a, uh, you know, a shut-in hacker type. Um, I always but, thought he was. <laughs> he looks but, the type. But the scene is so well written, where he he comes up to the guy. We don't know their relationship. We don't know who this character is. We don't know what his skills are. We don't know what his values are. And he slowly says, "I like this cafe. You guys have, you know, really good internet connection." Actually, it's so good that it scratched that part of my mind, that part that doesn't allow good to exist without condition. That's a theme stated, Blake Snyder. That is a theme stated right there, okay? And so then, yes, this is a strong thematic opening. We know, we, and, and then he tells the guy that he doesn't, he doesn't do well around people. So we find out his flaw. We find out his gift. We find out the theme of the movie. And then 
The guy says, yeah, you're doing this for money. He walks out the door and he's like, no, that's the one thing you were wrong about. And the cops storm in. This is the TV hacker show version of a James Bond prologue. Yeah. You know, the yeah. first mission before the re- for the rest of the movie. <clears throat> yep. James Bond, like, you know, finishes a mission and then we then we go on to the next mission. So I thought on number one, they killed it. It's funny you bring up James Bond. I was going to make a reference. and That's how I felt like. You know, evil corp, evil corp, like remind me of like a, a James Bond, like evil corporation, like something you like Spectre, like Spectre, exactly, yep. like Spectre or Quantum yeah. or what, whatever it may be. So yeah. like, how yeah. can you not know you're the bad guy when your name is Spectre? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like our logo is a skull. What? There's something wrong. Right. Right. Uh, I also one thing also when when Ron walks out to the cops, it's clear that this is set up previous prior. I was thinking of Ozymandias from Watchmen. When yes. he gives his big speech at the end about what he's going to do, and he says, no, no, I've already done it. And so he sets things in motion, you know, Elliot sets things in motion so that he can have his confrontation, it seems. That is a great screenwriter trick, by the way, yep. to show competence or some, something good at his job, is that you, you, you have him explain what he's going to do, and then you, you, you cut to show... Oh, actually, he's already done it. Right, and it's and it's a screenwriter shortcut to this guy is two steps ahead, two two chess moves ahead, which everyone would love to be. That's that's the same kind of wish fulfillment we have when we watch House of Cards, and and Kevin Spacey is two steps ahead of everybody, right? Like we love that. We instantly like a person like that, and and. And I want to go to Jordan because he said he had problems liking Elliot. Uh, yeah, uh, I just here's the thing. I know he's supposed to be socially awkward. I just thought that the things that he was doing, just him, the idea of him just being a hacker, and how he and how he's he comes off as being very creepy and like an invader of privacy. Like the ver- yeah. the very thing that I think that most Americans now are scared of, like you know, like NSA, like going through our phones and like we don't. Like, the fact that we're watching a guy who can do that, as a regular person, as a layman, you're just like, what the fuck? Like, really, man? Like, you're just going to go into people's private, like, Facebook accounts and see their dating life? Like, when, when he hacks into um, the girl he's into, her boyfriend's, you know, Facebook and all that... I mean, this is just a guy who's looking to freaking date his friend. Like, he's not—he's not a villain or anything. <laughs> no, he's looking—he's he's cheating on her. He is hey, cheating well, on her. Yeah, but he's not a super villain. He's just some dopey guy. Jordan's like, I don't want anyone looking at my. Yeah, face. I've <laughs> done that before. I'm worse don't, than him. Don't don't go into my text messages. Yes, I seriously, I don't want that either, man. But so, Chris, you understand uh, the classic issue of doing an antihero, uh, making the protagonist likable. When he is creepy and does bad things, I don't know. I was okay with him. I, is he my favorite character ever? No. Am I comfortable with the fact that he could probably just ask me a couple of benign questions and break into all my stuff? That is terrifying. Well, um, from a screenwriting perspective, what's the key to an antihero making an antihero likable? He's either got to be really good at his job, uh, which he clearly is. Uh, it helps if it's an interesting job to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, he could be wondering, like, even if he's creepy, what is he? Is he doing? Is he doing something good? Right. In this case, you know, he has it's a like, code. He, if he has right, a he code. has a code. It's like I'm not going to hurt white people. Hat, right. So right, he he's a, a white hat hacker. Um, 
yeah, I mean, the, the, in his the case, other one that's is, really the what other you one need. Is, the other one is if an antihero is funny, they're easy to like. But this guy's not funny. He's not making jokes. <laughs> no. But, I mean, so, I have to admit the thing that hooked me was when he basically told me that I wasn't real when he was talking in the voiceover. So I was like, all right, yeah. this is going to be fun. Right. So I made you I mean, up. I it, made like, you up. Yeah, it's like I don't necessarily know that you know him being funny, and I mean this in a general sense of anti-heroes, but I don't necessarily think they have to be funny. I think they have to be interesting. Yeah. You know, there's certain there's probably a line you can't cross, and I haven't found it yet. Yeah. But, so step step two on the checklist was introduce your core characters, your protagonists and your antagonists, their flaws and gifts. That got done in the intro scene. Yep. We met our yep. main character. We knew his flaws and gifts right away. What about antagonists and other core cast? Who's the core cast of the show? So, uh, I might as well just go to the page. No, no, just off the top of your head. If you don't well, remember it's, the, it's, it's his, not good It's writing. his friend from childhood, uh, What's-Her-Face. Uh, Mr. Robot is, is going to Angela? be. Angela? I forget her name, but yeah, it's the one uh, who he... Pe- Peppy Blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peppy Blonde. Uh... Pepper Mr. Yeah, Robot, Angela, Tyrell, Christian Wellick. gleaming the cubes later. Uh, probably, and then his therapist. Yeah, she'll be recurring, but she's she's a she's a C story at best. What about the antagonist? Do we have a clear antagonist? Uh, I think the face of it is Tyrell. Yes. Which is a Blade Runner callout. Is it? Yeah, Tyrell Corporation. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. nailed it. That's right. Nailed it. Uh, even uh, Elliot, his last name is Ander or Alderson, and it's like one letter away from Anderson. So the Matrix. Damn it! I was about uh, to grab that. Yes, Alderson, Elliot Alderson, yeah. is one step from the Matrix. Thomas Anderson, and one step away from John Anderton of Minority Report and Philip K. Dick. So we have the homages taken care of. Screenwriters Collective Original Pilot Checklist number three. Introduce the world, setting, era, rules of the universe. Did we get that in the pilot? Is it clear? I thought so. I'm assuming, you know, New York's or, you know, major metropolitan areas, specifically New York City. It's New York, baby. I think it's it's definitely New York City. And this thing is shot in New York. Yeah, it is. But, But they go, I mean, they go to Dulles, which is outside of D.C., um, like they're not mm-hmm. going to necessarily stick to New York the whole time. Maybe they will, but, um, and I'm assuming yeah. like we were saying earlier, it's 30 seconds in the future. Um, and it's in the world of, of computer or, you know, cybersecurity, IT security, things like that. I think I thought all that was very clear without them having to, to, um, state, uh, to state anything. Yeah. I think it's modern era. It's, we talked about it. If it's if it's in the future, it's seconds in the future. But we also talked about the rules of the universe, that we may have an unreliable narrator here. And the guy's on drugs, and he may have delusions. Step number four in the original pilot checklist is the series engine. What's the series engine for the show? What's the concept that's going to generate episode after episode? It's the character of Mr. Robot do, uh, doing this um, anarchistic kind of campaign yeah yeah, yeah. we and, and we're not quite sure what his motives are mm-hmm. we don't we don't exactly know we think it's at first you know we think it's something you know he's he's coming off as this guy who has uh this this moral ground that he stands on where he's saying oh you know what i'm doing it for this and this reason but who knows maybe he's just a freaking asshole 
Yeah. You know? So, but every episode, Elliot has to decide, is he going to be part of the revolution or not? And if right. he becomes part of the revolution, he's going to take fight obstacles in the revolution, right? So right. there is a war being waged here between Mr. Ro- Mr. Robot and e- Evil, Evil Corporation. Chris, series engine? I think for this season, anyway, it's going to be the, uh, the F Society. I think he's eventually joining the F Society, and they're going to try to take down Evil Corporation. That that's part partly from the fact that this feels like it was originally a movie, and it was going to be. It's you know, in a way, you need a simpler through line for that for 120 pages. Yeah. Step five on the checklist is is introduce a season objective, right? Uh, planting the seeds of the series finale, and that's done here too, right? What's the season objective for Elliot? Figure out what the hell this 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 hacking group is about. What exactly what they what they want, um, and whether he wants to join these uh, these um, outcasts and. Yeah, no, that's that that's the act out of the pilot. Yeah, so that's also the season objective is you know do you, I mean, is he going to be a part of the bad guys? Is he going to be a part of the good guys? Is he going to be for himself? Right. And also, who are the bad guys? Who are the good guys? See, this is interesting, because you know what? That goes back to step two, is introduce the antagonist. Jordan, you're having a hard time figuring out who the bad guys are, and I'm not, I don't think you're entirely wrong. Uh, yeah, I am, and, and I, don't, I don't think it's me just, it, my interpretation of it. I think that it is a little ambiguous, because, yeah. and there's a great opportunity to kind of flip it on its head, uh, you know, and I would be really happy if they did that, because then we'd be going against convention, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know, because I, I, I don't entirely trust uh, Christian Slater's Mr. Robot character because, you know, why should I? He hasn't given me enough to trust him yet. Yeah, no, uh, he's definitely sketchy. Yeah, I mean, listen, that last, you know, we we're all we're definitely talking spoilers because we're talking the two episodes. So, you know, the last shot of season, of episode two where he just pushes him down, um, uh, he pushes Elliot over that, that ledge, you know, we're thinking, what the hell's up with this guy? You know, he's a, yeah. he's a little bit... You know, uh, untrustworthy so far. Was so. that was that a little bit homage to the jump in the Matrix, Chris? Uh, no, I actually what it struck me as is what he says was about the the. This actually comes up a couple times in each of the episodes. They meet at Church Street uh, in one scene when Elliot's walking away. You can see like a sign that says like Jesus saves or something like that. And then at the very last scene of episode two, uh, Mr. Robot talks about um, a sacred pact. Yeah. And so he's it's more and more he's striking me as a zealot. And so he's going to be useful to do this one objective, but once that objective is taken care of, then he just becomes a liability. So if if Elliot wants to take down Evil Corp and he joins up with the F Society, you know, the ideals that there might be a clash of ideals. Really he struck me as like a zealot more than anything else. Uh, he's going to be a true believer through and through, and it's going to be a, a metaphorical religious experience for him. We have a season objective. What about a complete episode objective? Just a major A plot for the for the first pilot. What would you say is the A plot that resolves in the pilot? I was thinking just who does the DDoS attack. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Helping to uh, deal with the evil corp as their client being attacked by... What we find out is the Mr. Robot. Original pi- original pilot checklist number seven, introduce the series conventions. 
implant recurring details and story mechanisms of this series that will get used again and again. So what kind of series conventions do we have on this show? Well, there's an internal monologue, right? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, and that's something that's that's being used um, for uh, for creative purposes, but also giving us information that uh, um, we wouldn't know otherwise about Elliot, about what he's thinking, um, how his mind works. Uh, so that's there's that. A lot of techno babble. Techno babble. Uh, yeah. But yeah. That, it'll be made the if hacking. they if they stick with this, yeah. uh, it'll be made simple. Uh, quote hacking. Evil um, corporations, the and, you know the you know yeah all the cyberpunk stuff, but also we yeah. we get we get New York City's underground. We get this uh, this guy is you know his mid twenties in New York, the drug culture, sort of the party culture. Um, his uh, his crush, his friend, is like sort of the yuppie culture in New York. So th- there's a, a sense of the uh, where where the setting is, and that ke- keeps coming back. Right. What about these, like, the way things are set up and, and paid off? There's a lot of, like, great little secrets that are planted and then paid off. Like, I really loved the scene where, in the pilot, where Elliot leaves to, to uh, go save the world on a jet. And he returns. And his childhood friend, the blonde, is there to watch, to get high and watch Back to the Future 2 with him. And they go upstairs, and his skanky drug dealer is still naked in his bed. That was like a great setup and payoff. And I think it goes back to that that opening scene too, where where he'd already made the call to the police. And I think that it's like a recurring. I don't know if it's a serious convention, but it's just you know surprising us with with uh, the audience being behind. The, the writer's ball. And do we get number eight, Screenwriters Collective Original Pilot Checklist, a cliffhanger closing that kicks off the series. Chris, did they reveal that there is much more drama to be explored at the at the end of the pilot? I, I would say so, yes. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, I mean, you could say that about the first two episodes, but going back to the pilot, yeah, absolutely. You're, you are left there like, ho- like, holy shit, what? You know where, as if this could be the 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 last you know the end of this character's journey. Like everything goes to hell, um, and uh, and then we pick up next week. You know where you know, we find out that it's not what we thought it was. We, it's not like the FBI, which we were meant to think it is. So that definitely checks out. So basically, all in all, we this 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 pilot checks out on our on our checklist. We had a little problem with identifying the antagonists and who they are. Uh, I have to admit, like for me, the antagonist. I guess maybe I just went along with it. Like, I, I think your antagonist this season is going to be Evil Corp. Until maybe the and very Tyrell, end. Tyrell himself, the antagonist. And, and yeah, and Tyrell in Blade Runner, he isn't <laughs> the antagonist, but he's not a good guy. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what they're trying to set up with this, is, is maybe some kind of recognition on the part of a fan of the genre or of science fiction in general that, okay, this person regardless of what they do at the end, isn't going to be a good person. If they continue with the Blade Runner call-outs, mm-hmm. well, then we just, it'll be... We just uh, needed an antagonist who's as good a hacker as Elliot, right? You need right, Lex yeah. Luthor to Superman, you know? Well, the thing is, like, if you want a hacker that's as good as Elliot, I'm going to assume that Mr. Robot fits that bill. No, and, I, I mean, and again, no, if they we, already, the, we know it's Tyrell. 
Mr. Robot, yeah, maybe he's a hacker, and yeah, maybe he'll end up going against Elliot. Well, but so Terrell, the thing is, like, if it follows the if it follows the Blade Runner kind of thing, in Blade Runner, yes, the big corporation did not great things by creating the replicants, but the villain was the person going after the corporation, and so it was Roy Batty. And so, right, if right. you're going to like lay one over the other. Then right now, I would say Mr. Robot is the is the Roy Batty character, the product of, and so he has his reasons for taking down the corporation, but he's still the antagonistic force. Right. Um, but then again, I'm just kind of um, no. It, it's interesting what you're saying because sometimes when you have you could have multiple antagonists that are actually antagonistic towards each other. Right. Um, if, you know if, what I'm saying? So and, the and enemy of my that, enemy is my friend. Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So, right, right. so Chris, um, I want to jump forward quick. Uh, what were your favorite parts of episode two? Summar- summarize. Well, I did like it that it just picked up right where it left off. I yeah. mean, not to say that I like that every time something you know I see something like that, but that I thought it was enjoyable. Um, I actually liked it when Mister. I loved it, the ending when Mister. Robot pushes Elliot off the off of the the. Uh, railing, and partly because of the whole conversation, just reveals like what Mr. Robot expects from people in his group. Yeah, you know, and, I. But he's playing you, Morpheus, right? Yeah. Well, remember again, Morpheus like, tells Neo to do the jump program, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not. Well, you see, in this case, it, it's not like he was saying to Elliot, "Hey, jump, trust me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like you betrayed somebody. You deserve this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he pushes... And like I said, that to me revealed a lot. The whole episode kind of revealed a, a future standoff Anything me. else in the episode that really stood out for you in the second episode? Uh, the thing... Uh, this may not be a positive thing, but the, the drug supplier storyline yeah. really felt like... I, not, I don't want to say that it was badly written or anything like that. It was a very well-made or well-done segment. Um, but... It does felt like that was the expanded portion of the screenplay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we need we need some more meat to turn a feature film into a, a TV series. And, and the, I think it's the Shayla character's his dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, it feels like she's hot, by the way. Like she's the hottest <laughs> chick in the show. <laughs> I, my yeah. feeling with her is that um, they need that entree into the drug culture, and that's yeah. like that's the only reason she's. I mean, that's not like a bad thing. It, he's the main character, and every character exists to push that story forward but uh yeah if i guess my greater point with that is like the drug his drug situation didn't feel entirely um true to me yeah i didn't i didn't necessarily i bought that he would go for pharmaceuticals i didn't buy that he would go for what amounts to a downer so his 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 his, uh manipulation of his body's chemicals is all over the place. I mean, he's yeah. an, he's an addict, so he's doing a lot of different things. You know, he's like, oh, I'm not going to do too much amphetamines without my coming down medication. Then he does it. So I, I think his, I think it it, it it adds a dimension to the character. Jordan, mm. you yes. said that the second episode improved your your uh, feel on the series as a whole. What what about episode did two did that for you? Yeah, so um, there are a few little things um, dispersed. It's, uh, it's funny, unlike uh, Chris, I, I thought that the drug dealer um, was, a, like, that's something where I felt that 
It added another antagonist other than white guys in suits um, and potentially Mr. Robot. And it was something where it put Elliot um, in a position when he's in that room with the drug dealer with a gun. Yeah. He's pretty vulnerable. Yet he doesn't come off that way. But, you know, no amount of hacking could save him from a bullet to his head. You know, and not with that attitude. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I I liked that tension there because it felt real. It felt like, okay, this guy could actually fucking kill him right now. As opposed to a corporation is going to find out that I'm doing some hacking stuff to their back end and they're going to fire me or, or send some guys in neck. black suits to eventually kill me, even though I will probably be able to get away from them relatively easily. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Like that to me was are, like are, a moment. Are you looking forward to more action in the show? Um, I'm looking for more tension, like yeah. something where, like, I want to, I don't care about action, you know, explosions, chases, I, that stuff's not interesting, is not necessarily interesting to me. To me, what makes those interesting is the tension. So when you have a guy just sitting there with a gun who looks unstable next to a guy like Elliot, who clearly can't physically defend himself, he's very smart. Um, and then we have someone in a, in a bathtub in a room that's locked that we don't know if she's drowning or dead. Yeah. Um, to me, that scene really worked. Yeah. I, I was that, that was a scene where I was like, "Holy shit!" Like this might actually turn for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I agree that it was a great scene. And one thing I noticed is the the more clothes the drug dealer put on, the less threatening he seemed, <laughs> which I thought was weird. But right, right. that said, no, I agree with Jordan. I mean, it's probably the most tense, the most tension in a scene, you know, in the entire show so far. I was going to say series, but. Yeah. Two episodes. Um, where, where, where do you? We're gonna air this right before the third episode. Where do you guys want to see this show go? Uh, if they continue with the picking up right where they left off, I definitely want to see uh, Elliot with a broken arm again because he's been pushed over the railing. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see where? the. Con- <laughs> I want to see the continuation of uh, like Mr. Robot becoming more of a zealot and more of like a. Not literal religious figure, but like he's is on a crusade against uh, evil corp, and maybe because I, I think I, we all would all expect evil corp to be evil, maybe something a little more nuanced in what they're trying to do. Maybe the overall system is corrupted; it's evil, but the people within it are trying to do good things. In the pilot episode, we see that they're in agriculture and healthcare and things like that. Maybe those divisions are trying to do good things. They just happen to be attached to something that's distilled pure evil. Awesome, Jordan. What do you What do you want to see in the next episode? So I, I would actually love to see um, uh, Mr. Robot uh, appearing to be more of a protagonist, to being a little bit more uh, um, motivated by his anarchistic agenda, and where. You know, someone like um, Elliot, who definitely has his ideology, he has his worldview. Uh, I don't think he's as, as so far as I was been established. I don't think he's as uh, crazy or uh, anarchistic as as Mr. Robot. So it'd be interesting if, if Elliot gets a little bit, uh, if Elliot feels that he's that he's um, a little bit too unstable, mm-hmm. and that we also feel that maybe like it would be interesting. I thought if if that that evil corp. Um, might have like a soul somewhere, you know. Like there's there's somebody there that represents the soul of evil corp. And the, their goal, it's not just money and world right, domination. Right. It's something more if, personal. If, if, absolutely. If if you, I know you didn't like the show, or maybe you ter- you came around to, it, but uh, Daredevil, mm-hmm. um, you have Wilson Fisk, right? 
And there was a thousand ways you can you could have written that character, and it's been written in comics a thousand ways. But what do they do? They start off introducing Wilson Fisk next to a woman, having a conversation, going on a date. You learn more about him. He's a human being. He's fucked up, but he's you know. So there was there was a little bit of um, uh, you know there was a little bit. What's the word I'm looking for? There was a soul to this monster that you know is clearly the antagonist, but you're able to believe that okay. There is a human side. There's a reason why this is happening. Yeah. It's not just black and white. Um, I would love to see more of that. Yeah, yeah I mean, definitely. When, when you have a high concept show, you, if, if you, you're, you've got plenty of plot, you've got plenty of obstacles for you, but is there enough character that we give a shit about what's going on? That's always trouble. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things I would like to see that would allow more of this more of us to to care more about the machinations of both f society and evil corp is if we got to know these characters more um you know i was reminded a lot of the matrix and uh hackers if you will and oh, yeah. even the new even the new netflix series sense eight which we did a podcast on that we're going to release after this one but the Matrix, uh, Sense8 was actually done by the Wachowskis also. At a certain point, the the protagonist gets a team. He joins the team. Okay, where's the F-Society team? We got to meet a couple of those hackers. I want them yeah. teamed up. I want a posse, okay? You know, the evil corporation's got a million guys. So give us a couple more hackers. Let's do some teamwork stuff. One of the best parts of Sense8 is... As the series progresses, they find out, I'm not going to spoil for you guys, but they find out that their powers work better the more they work together, and then all of a sudden they compound, and then the show gets so interesting. So I want more of a team-up. You know, I don't want Elliot to be such so much of a loner for so long. Should they have introduced those characters already? At least, like, give them... Because right now, well, I don't here, think they've here, been even the given thing. names. One, one of the things I... Com- yeah, we don't know them that well at all. One yeah, of the it's like you have a bearded guy, a girl in a hijab, uh, yeah. Mr. Robot, I think. Oh, and the the woman that shows up at his house. Darlene, I right. think it is. Yeah. And that's, and yeah, so, it's like there's no names. I actually prefer the way it's been done. See, what what, hap- what happened in Sense8 is uh, it was a Netflix show, and, and it's one hour, and... They know that you're going to binge it. They introduce all eight characters up front, and it diluted the our excitement for jumping into the show. The pilot's really slow. It gets really good along the way. This pilot for Mr. Robot is tight because we're focused on just like maybe four or five characters. So they did plant the seeds of some of the other F Society people, but... I'm I'm happy that they didn't go too far into it, but by episode two or three out of ten, I want to start seeing the team up because by episode six, you know, a midpoint in the season, that's when uh, the bad guys close in. That's when the team gets dispersed. There turns on each other already. So we we better get team we better get the team up going. And I have a feeling that's what we're going to see in episode three. Yeah, I mean that would that would be really cool, especially if they do. You know, if Elliot gets pushed down, his like his arms are broken, and he needs to re- rely on these this team of 
diverse, like, you know. Oh, you make a good point. I forgot. If he breaks his arm, he can't yeah. type. He can't be a hacker. His superpower right. well, he, he has super to work power with these people. is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like if you saw um, Imitation Game, uh, you know, where you had... Alan Turing. I studied him in, in my undergraduate computer science. Yeah. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alan Turing. He has, to he has to, you know, work with this team, even though he thinks he could do it himself. Like, that would be an interesting thing to uh, add to this. So I agree. Let's just... Let's just do last thoughts on Mr. Robot. As a pilot, as a series, what uh, what did you like, what didn't you like, and what are your hopes? Can I start with you, Chris? So uh, this is uh, something that I think I'd make space for in my uh, queue to watch. Uh, I, I think it's a big issue for a lot of people is there's just so much content out there. It's where is there space for it in your queue, and I think that there is for this. Um, you know, despite any shortcomings, shortcomings the main character has, I do like, you know, in terms of him not being, you know, funny or anything like that, I actually really do like him, and I, I'm definitely willing to follow him, because I think he has an interesting perspective, and I'm betting it's pretty skewed, and we're going to see how unreliable he is as a, as a narrator, which I can't wait to see. Uh, yeah. I actually am starting to warm to the world that they're in. Uh, I think that there are a lot of references, uh, you know everything from the uh, the shoutouts to other movies like Blade Runner and The Matrix to even something like I, I personally thought it was interesting that they went to Dulles to a server farm because I think it's a shout out to there's a there's a um, there's a, a an area of Northern Virginia where it's just a tech kind of corridor but also Dulles was like one of the first directors of the CIA so it speaks to like the espionage elements of it to me anyway uh. Uh, and so. Yeah, so I'm, I, I think it's you know an interesting world because it feels like it's thirty seconds in the future, and uh, I think that you know the the cast of characters are worth following. I can't wait to see what they do next. So as you guys already know, I did not uh, like this pilot, uh, and didn't, don't really like where the, you know the show and where it's going. But um, I will say this: I will say my hope is that um, if if they can somehow go more against the convention which i think that they haven't been doing which is you know you have this you have this corporation it's evil it's white people least, you know they're horrible and uh you know this hipster kind of guy who you know talks techno babble can he's gonna you know, erase his girlfriend's student loan debt yeah exactly it's you know that whole thing to me was a little schlocky and 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 felt familiar and just boring um if they can do something interesting which i think they might be able to because the, the cliffhanger they end on um and they can uh they can uh take this uh old concept and give it a new uh spin and make the villain who we don't think it's going to be make the antagonist somebody else um i might i might be on board because honestly the second episode started to turn me a little bit i think huh. there was that interesting oh, okay. scene with, with with him and the drug dealer was an example of that so if they're able to kind of uh go more in that direction they might they might completely turn me i like this show a lot i'm going to continue to watch it i think it has great dialogue it has great screenwriting all around it's a new york based show of course i'm going to watch that nyc in the house it's a cyberpunk show all the homages to cyberpunk i'm going to keep watching it you know, I think we, we did talk about some of its flaws, but I think it's extremely well written. It's only going to get better. Uh, for a USA show, this is fantastic. <laughs> I mean, uh, but I think also what's most important for me is that it continued to escalate. Like I said, that you start, 
you take it past those first two episodes that I think the creator had as a feature and are able to expand the world and keep it interesting. But I don't know. I'll, I'll, follow, I'll watch any hacker drama. I think this is far better than um, Scorpion because this is um, this this show is dark. There's a there's a dark side to it. There's dark characters to it. Real flaws. So this is definitely on my agenda. All right, that's it, guys. That's all the time we have. Thank you, guys. This is the script, produced by Jordan Rosengarden and David Negrin. You can email us, fan mail us, hate mail us, comments, questions, or hack us at scriptfeed at gmail.com. Please join our Facebook page or our Google Plus page by searching for NYC Screenwriters Collective. You can also follow us on Twitter at ScriptFeed. If you live in New York City, please sign up for our workshops at meetup.com under NYC Screenwriters Collective. If you like the script, please give us a star review or a rating on iTunes. See you next time.